But I want to piggyback a little bit on Pastor Stephen, what he talked about um, last week about the, the difference between the old nature and the new nature. If you can, turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I'll be reading out of the New American Standard translation today, the NASB. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Say that with me. If anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things have passed away and behold, new things have come. Is that a suggestion in the word of God? No, that is actually a a command. If you are in Christ today, everything of your old nature is completely gone. And therefore, everything in your life is new. Come on, somebody. We want to live in the old nature and identify with that more than identifying with what Christ calls us to. And it's time for the church and the body of Christ. It's the reason why confusion of identity is going around in our nation today is because we've missed, the and 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 I'm talking about me as a believer, I have missed what it means to stand up for identity in Christ, to show and to prove. And you have to ask yourself those questions too. Are you a new person in Christ? You know, people do enough to get delivered from their own nature, but they don't do enough to stay away from it. We want deliverance. Hallelujah, I'm set free. But you still want to go back and dabble in your own sin again. Look, if you're new, you're new. Come, look, are you with me today? If you're new, look, a quiet church, is a dead church. Thank you, Youth for the Nations. A quiet church is a dead church. I don't want none of this. Mm, 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 mm. No, man, you get up out of your seat. If you agree with something, you shout it down. Why? Because this is what changes the culture. Is the Word of God preached, the Spirit of God of life, you know? <laughs> And people of God active in living in their faith. So, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anybody's in Christ, the person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, old things, all things have become new again. So what does this really mean? It means the old things have passed away and behold, things have become new. That's what it literally means. You see, when someone passes away, I've had many people in my life pass away, right? When some people, when, when someone passes away, they're gone, they are buried, unless, you know, God just does an absolute miracle like we saw in the video of someone being resurrected, right? They're buried. And sometimes when people pass away, people put momentums or something like that, something they remember them by, in the coffin with them. They put these things in there. And when you put those things in there, I remember one of our dear saints here at the church, his name was Ron. He used to do our Sunday school count. And he would go down to every door and go, ding, and bing, bing this, ding this bell, bing. And you would just know, okay, Sunday school's over, right? Wrap it up, you know? And if people didn't wrap it up, he would press it even more. Ding, 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 ding. Until he, <laughs> until, he, uh, until he came out. So anyway, I remember when I did his funeral, I actually put that bell on top of his coffin as a momentum, as a thing. You guys checking with me? as a thing that went to the grave with him. 
More than likely, we'll never see those things again. And the scripture means, this scripture means in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that old things, those things that we actually remember, those things that we identified with before, those things, okay, which means your nature, your old self, your desires, a simple person, your perspective, your opinions, your agenda, all of those things have gone to the grave. And now a new perspective comes up in your heart. A new, a new mindset comes up, right? It, it, it's, it's the reason why that when you come to Jesus, right, and you, and, you're, and you go out into the world, like let, let's just say here this morning, maybe you don't know who Jesus Christ is personally, and I'm gonna, Pastor Lupe at the end is gonna offer a time for you to come in and, and, and get to know who Jesus is. Maybe you don't know that, right? And then you're gonna get what we call getting saved, today, right? Which is perfect. Which is perfect. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, today's the day. The Bible says right now is the time, right? I just wait and I'll do it tomorrow. Look, your tomorrow's never promised, okay? So you'll come here and you'll get saved. This is what happened to me. Then all of a sudden, something happened, right? I'm just like, man, you know? For those of you who can remember this, you guys remember what it was like when you first came to Jesus? You almost felt light, just the weight just kind of came off of you, right? You're like, praise God. That's the new nature. That's the new man, right? So now you walk outside of the doors of the church, then all of a sudden, game on. You have a new perspective. You have a new mindset. You have a new way of looking at things, right? Everything's new and such. So, so if you, one time, uh, I'm just gonna pick on a couple of things, okay? Now, most of these things, I'm not gonna say they'll send you to hell, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, I'm talking about the new nature, so you walk out, let's just say you walk in and you're dropping F-bombs every, every now and then, right? right? You're just, yeah, you're cussing like a sailor. I don't know, I never was a sailor. Okay, I don't know, that's just the term. All right? So you, and then you get saved and you walk out and you go, hit it, and you go, ooh, that doesn't feel right. Something's, something doesn't feel right. It's not because someone said, hey, you need to stop. You know, you need to stop swearing right now. You know, I mean, that's, that's not what Christians do. Okay? It's not, it's not because somebody told you that. It's because the spirit now is alive in you. Your old man's gone, therefore your new has been resurrected. Come on, somebody. And that's what happens. And that's what this is talking about. Your new, a, new, a new way of looking at things. When before, you, it'd be, you would justify getting angry. When before, you would justify harboring unforgiveness. When before, you would justify being, being bitter about certain things. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, uh, uh, something's wrong. I, I don't, I, like, I just feel like that's not right. Why is that? Because it's contrary to the kingdom of God that's advanced in your life. And now the enemy wants to come in. His whole purpose now, his whole mission is to come and convince you that you're not set free. That you're not set free. <laughs> hey, 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 St. Corinthians says, all things have passed away and everything is new. So when the enemy comes your way and says, yeah, but not everything, you go, I don't think so. Why? Because the word of God says what it says. And that is the truth of the word of God. I just skipped over a ton of notes. See, this new man actually is the one that walks on water. This new man is the walks on water. I want you to picture Peter walking on the water. You know, Peter didn't walk on water. He actually walked on the word. 
and the word was come. Why could, why could Peter walk on the word? Why could he do that? Because he actually was living in the place that God called him to in that moment. And he believed everything that Jesus had to say about him. He believed that he can actually do it. So Jesus says, you want to walk on water? Well, come on then, Pete, Pete, let's go. Right? So Peter gets out. Listen to me. He gets out of the boat and he walks on water. He walks not because the water is there. He walks on the faith that Jesus had in him. You understand that? And what we have in today's world amongst churches all across our nation and in believers' lives is that we're losing faith on what Jesus says about us. We're not listening to what the Holy Spirit is calling us. We're not living in that new identity. We think our identity is struggle, 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 struggle all the time. I'm here to tell you right now that you are set free and God is calling you right to walk on your issues, to walk on your circumstances. Hmm. But the moment Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to doubt. But doubt in what? He began to doubt on who Jesus called him to be and called him to do. Again, Peter didn't walk on the water. He walked on the word. And that word is what gave Peter confidence to live in that moment, to live in what Jesus called him actually to do and to be the new person. See, the greatest weapon the enemy has against you is your thoughts. The thoughts he puts in your mind. I said it a few weeks ago. The enemy is so tricky. He'll actually fire thoughts in your mind and then he'll accuse you of having those thoughts. He'll actually bring condemnation upon you and say, why are you thinking those thoughts? Don't you know that Jesus loves you? then all of a sudden you start getting these accusations. You start feeling down. You start feeling weighed down. And the enemy is so good at that. The battlefield is in the mind. The battlefield's in the mind. Take your pointer. Take your pointer right now with me, okay? Take your prophetic pointer out. Because that's what prophets do, right? They actually point in the direction. So you take your prophetic pointer out and you go, this is the battle. Right there, in between the hearing devices that the Lord gave you, okay, is the battle right here in your mind. And we have these engagements that he just hurls these fiery arrows at us all the time, even in your new nature. See, the only time that we can literally live in this victorious place and be this when we believe that Christ has made us new. It's when we start weighing ourselves down and we start actually thinking to ourselves what the enemy thinks about us. We start thinking of ourselves less than what God's called us, how less than what he sees about us, less than, then all of a sudden we start thinking about this. Then, then we start, then we start believing that we're anxious. And then now we say, well, I'm just, I just have anxiety. Like I just have this thing about my life. And then we start worrying and then worry settles in and all this stuff begins to happen. And we never really truly get free, even though Christ has set us free. What we've actually done is we've gone back to the grave and we picked up the old man and we said, you know what? I identify with this. And we put this on ourselves. Why? Because it's comfortable to actually live in the old than it is in the new. God wants us to experience this new man. And it starts right here in the mind. You see, the, the enemy engages you in your thought life. That is the weapons that he uses but according to our word, 
your Bible that you carry in your pocket if you have a digital Bible. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't fight against flesh and blood. Right? What does this mean? We're going to go into it. So weapon number one, I believe that we can use against the enemy in our thought life. Weapon number one is the power of ignore. Amen. Amen. Is the power of ignore. <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? The power of ignore. Philippians chapter one, verse 28 says this. And in no way be alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them but a salvation for you. And this too is from God. In no way be alarmed by your opponents. In no way be alarmed by your opponents. In no way be alarmed by your opponents. There's a, there's a, a gentleman, an old time revivalist. His name was Bob Jones. He was actually a prophet. Anybody know who I'm talking about when I say the name Bob Jones? Bob Jones was, uh, he would travel all the time. He would just... Bob Jones had a phone, but he never gave his phone number out. And if you called him, it's because the Lord laid it on your heart and you got the phone number for his house and vice versa. Didn't carry around a directory. He just kind of heard from the Lord, nah, 217, blah, 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 blah. Let's call, bing, bam, boom. Is your name, ah, yeah, my name's, well, that'd be awesome if we had a child named ah, okay. Is your name, mm, fill in the blank. Yeah, that's me. God has a word for you. Boom. That's the kind of prophetic voice that Bob carried. He, was, he just had a mantle of the, of the prophetic. And so here's Bob Jones. <clears throat> he's, at a, he's at a meeting, um, a set of, uh, just a series of, of revival meetings. And uh, the devil was coming to visit him in his room. Literally. Satan himself showing up physically in his room, grabbing his bed, the foot of his bed, and going, shaking it. You know, I don't know about you, but I'd be freaking out by then, right? Wouldn't you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah I would too. I'm like, ah. I mean, I got nervous with the fireworks last night. Satan just shaking the bed. Bob Jones got so tired of it that he decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to ignore how the devil is trying to bring fear into my life. And when he began to gain confidence in what God was speaking to him about ignoring him, the devil came one night. This is how the story goes. Shook the foot of his bed. Bob Jones looks up and goes, oh, it's just you. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. <laughs> rolled over and went back to sleep. You see, I'm a firm believer that the enemy is attracted to fear like flies are attracted to rotting meat. You ever seen that before? You ever got a piece of meat before, right? And it's been sitting out for a while. I used to think that those, I don't want to get too graphic. Okay, I used to think that those little things, you know, what are they called? Okay, good. You said it, I didn't, okay. That they... They were like in the meat already and that actually when we cooked them, we were eating them, right? That's what I used to think. And so I realized that that wasn't really true. It was actually the rotting stench attracted the flies to plant these things. And that's what the enemy does when we actually live in fear, 
right? He is attracted to fear. So then he begins to plant thoughts in our mind that actually start to grow and begin to manifest in certain ways, right? In our lives and in our hearts, right? And what we can do, one of the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal is we can say and grow in confidence. I'm not talking about it's gonna happen right away or maybe it will, okay? But what I'm saying is as long as we take steps to say, you know what? I see you, devil, trying to bring this recession to the, to the country. I see you, devil, trying to cause fear and, and, and using a fear tactic over this Roe v. Wade, Wade stuff. I see you doing this, but you know what? Greater is he who is in me than he that is in this world, right? As long as we can say and grow confident in the foundation that we have, we can say, God, you are greater than what's going on. It's about ignoring the enemy's tactic. Now, here's what I'm saying when I say ignore. I'm not talking about understanding and realize what's going on. That's not what I'm saying. See, faith, when it comes to faith, doesn't deny a problem exists. It only, it only, uh, uh, it only uh, puts a foundation up against its influence in your life. That's what faith does. Faith doesn't deny a problem exists. It only gets it to a place where we don't allow influence in our lives. I'm talking about this fear that so many people are living in in today's world. It's because the spirit of fear has been released over our nation and over our country. I don't know about you, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm overthinking to myself, how are we gonna pay for this? I'm over it, thinking to myself, how are we gonna buy that? I'm over the idea of, oh my gosh, these things are happening with our kids. I'm over it. Now it's time for the church to rise up in faith and deny its influence in our lives. See, in today's world and culture, if we're entertaining the fear-driven world we live in, we will find ourselves thinking that God has become powerless and the devil is bigger and he's winning. Have you ever thought that before? Where's God? Where's God in all this? See, I would suggest to you this morning that maybe, just maybe, if you just stop and consider, just maybe there's been a fly that's been attracted to your thought life and it's laid some ideas. See, in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah makes these bold declarations, which by the way, if you're really dealing with a tough situation, I encourage you to read Nehemiah's chapter one through six, okay? But in the book of Nehemiah, he's struggling with these, he's, he's, he's having these, these things going on in his life and whatever. And Nehemiah, he would say things like this. Should a man like me run away from this? Should I be afraid? He would make these bold declarations. And ignoring the voices of the enemy speaks more to knowing who you are in Christ and knowing who God is in you. When we learn to simply go, yeah, I see what's going on, but I'm not going to let that thing gain influence in my life. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it because I know the God whom I serve and my God is bigger than the situation, the circumstance that I'm currently going through right now. I know that he is. Number two weapon. Know who God is. So number one, the power of ignore. Number two weapon is knowing who God is. We have to in this day and age. We have to know who God is. We have to know who God is. You think it's bad now? Okay. 
Just wait until this spirit of delusion has been released over the world. Then we're really going to start seeing, no, no, look, I'm talking end time stuff. Okay. But this is the kind of stuff that's going to come our direction. So we have to know, and I believe it's already here. I believe it's already started. It's the reason why we have so many people don't, e don't even know who they are. What is a woman? What is a man? We don't even know that anymore. We're blurring all the lines. To me, look, look, again, this isn't political for me. I can care less about politics when it comes to this stuff because the enemy is trying to rob people of who they are in Christ. We have to know who God is. We have to know his word. We have to know the written word of God. The spoken word of God will never contradict the written word of God. We have to know the written word of God. We have to know the stories in the Bible of Jonah. We have to know the Moses stories. We have to know what creation really means. We have to get into our word, digest it in our heart, and live the word of God. I think within the church that we've lost the art of memorizing scripture. So I'm actually going to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you to memorize three scriptures in the month of July. I know that sound, that doesn't sound like a lot. Okay. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but so many people memorize what's happening in the news more than they know their word of God. I challenge us to do that. We have to know the written word of God, and we have to know his spoken voice. The written word of God is called the logos because that's called the logistics, the logic of God, okay? The rhema word of God is the spoken word of God. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when those two things collide together, watch out. Watch out. God is alive and active, amen, who's with me? And he's speaking to his people today, which direction to go, what to do, what things are happening. Right? And if you're sitting here this morning, let me encourage you with something. God is a chatterbox and he wants you to hear him. And you may be saying, I've never heard the voice of God. Well, the voice of God comes in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. Okay? For me, it comes in pictures. It comes in pictures for me. Sometimes God just whispers little things to me and I go, okay. Right? For some people, the voice of God comes in dreams. Sometimes the voice of God comes. In, in, when you're reading the word of God and then he just, boom, puts something in your heart, a revelation. However it's done, learn to turn your ear to Jesus. Learn to turn your ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit because he is alive and active. See, and all these things speak of intimacy with him. So let me ask yourself this question. Ask yourself this question. Do I worry more or do I pray more? Ask yourself that question. Do you find yourselves worrying more about what's going on, even in a personal circumstance, and I know it's difficult, or do you find yourself taking that to the throne room of God? Let us be a people that go to Jesus and know who he is and know what he says. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and this is where we're going to kind of just begin to land our plane. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, they're not carnal but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Someone say the word fortresses. Fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience. I love that. To punish all disobedience wherever your obedience is complete. 
So there's three key things here that Paul talks about. He talks about the fortresses, right? He addresses these. There's thoughts, there's speculations, and there's lofty things. These are the three fortresses of our minds, okay? Thoughts, speculations, and lofty things. So what is a lofty thing? Because this is where I'm gonna hit on the most. What is a lofty thing? A lofty thing is something that we create that's bigger than God. That is a lofty thing. See, when the Bible says, thou shalt have another gods before me, it's not necessarily talking about golden idols. What it's talking about the idols of your mind. Whoo! That's fire, baby. The idols of our mind can sometimes grow bigger than God. And some people will say, well, pastor, there's nothing bigger than God. And that's true. Amen? But when we worry, what we just said to that worry is that it's bigger than God. I know. Look, we all deal with this. Put myself in that boat, in that camp. We all deal with this. But can we fortify our minds and our hearts to where we can say God is actually bigger than the worry that's going on right now in my head? Right? See, when we know God, we know that God is good. Come on, somebody. We know that he is good. We know that he is all-powerful. We know that he is in control of all things. We know that everything works together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Why do we know that? Because the word of God says it. That's why. And I propose to you today that if it's not good, then it's not the end. If it's not good, then it's not the end. Keep on moving. Keep on taking steps. Keep on trusting God. Keep on believing God. Because the Bible is true. It is not false. And when it makes a statement that everything works together for the good, for those who love him, who are called, called according to his purpose, guess what? If it ain't good, it ain't done. That was a good time to shout, by the way. So why would we worry about something if we truly knew God and we trusted him? Because fear is faith in the wrong God. Fear is faith in the wrong God. And that's the battle. We believe that God is bigger, but do we really trust that he is? And when we have lofty things, thoughts in our mind, we're losing trust in God. And here's the coolest thing about God is that he doesn't look at us and condemn us for those thoughts. He says, come on, my arms are open wide for you. Come on back. Trust in me again. Trust in me one more time. Trust me again. Look, this nation, what it's going through right now, it ain't the first time. Not the first time. And I believe with all of my heart, Hear me out of what decision that was just made is going to spark a mighty revival within churches across this nation. Weapon number three. We have to know who we are in God. We know who God is, but don't we know who God is in us? Understand that we have authority in Christ and that you are anointed by him to advance the gospel and the kingdom of Jesus changes everything. Caitlin, you can come back up, please, if you're around there. Thank you so much. And I have a concern for the church in general. 
because we have a lot of great groups. We've got a lot of great teaching. We've got a lot of great things going on. But I think the church has forgotten about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I see this trend in the church that we want to know all about God, but we're not really willing to experience him. This last week, I've been really contemplating and asking God for a fresh anointing of power and love to lead my family and to lead this church. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to rest upon every believer. It's not just for me. It's not just for Pastor Steve. It's not just for people who've been called to ministry, to full-time, it's for you. It's for you as a teacher. If anything now, teachers in the public school need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to break the yoke of bondage. It's for teachers. It's for those people who work in warehouses. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon us and to do this. So quickly, what is the anointing? There are many instances in the Bible where the word anointing is used. It's most mostly talked about in a way where we are commissioned with power to accomplish what God has spoken to us by his word. The anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. You can see Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27 for that. The anointing represents the favor to be upon somebody. And here's the deal. Because of the cross, each of us can have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because of what he did for us. Because our old man is dead. And our new man is here. We have access to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to break the yoke of bondage over your family, over your workplace. That's you. This is what the church is coming into in a greater way. In a greater way, we're going to see each believer, and this is what I see happening. You guys hearing me? I see each person moving in the power of the Holy Spirit right in their world, right where they're at. But to be honest with you, here's what I'm asking for. I don't want to walk or live in an anointing just to do those things, but I want to walk in an anointing to know him and to know who I am in him. You may be thinking to yourself, Pastor, why are you always talking about this? Well, this year, we dedicated at the beginning of January that this year would be the year of identity. Does anybody remember that? Identity 2022. This is the year to know God. This is the year to know who God is. Because in 2023 is the year of the harvest. (laughs) I want to walk in the anointing to know who he is and to know who Christ is in me. And that only comes from the Holy Spirit alive and active in our lives. I want to live and activate my life in a way where I know who Christ is in me. And anything contrary to those statements that he speaks and what the word of God says, I can identify those as something that the enemy says against me, as a weapon against me. And I can grow in confidence in knowing and believing and saying and declaring that my God says, when I'm weak, he is strong. 
that I must become less because when I do, he becomes more. It's not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. I can confidently say that I am a new creation in him. I can say with confidence when I know who Christ is inside of me that I will not be afraid. Why? Because you are with me. I can say when I know who Christ is in me and I grow in that, that I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's prepared in advance for me to do. I can say I am forgiven because he loves me, that he has called me and chosen me to advance his kingdom. And I can confidently say that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. And these are all the things that we weaponize against the enemy when he fires those darts at us. These are all the things that we can grow in confidence in so we don't have to feel burdened anymore by shame and by guilt. We don't have to feel burdened anymore by condemnation, by sin. We're no longer burdened by that. It's not your weight to carry. Listen to me, there's someone in here that I can feel it in my heart that you've been carrying a heavy weight on your heart and you've been dabbling with this whole, I don't know who I am. I'm here to tell you right now, if you are in Christ, you are new. You are new. Everything that once held you bound in the past is gone. And the enemy's coming and attacking you right now in your mind. He's attacking your mind. See, what happens when he attacks your mind, then it gets into your soul. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotion. When he attacks your soul, then you get into your spirit. And both ways, whatever gets in your spirit becomes the overflow of how you live. Come on, that's a good word. It becomes the overflow of how you live. I don't know about you, but I want the Holy Spirit in me so much that it's the overflow of what comes out of me. Amen? So I want to pray quickly about helping us grow in confidence to be equipped against the enemy. Then I'm going to have Pastor Lupe come up and just close service. So can you just bow your hand and close your eyes real quick as we close? And if you want to grow in confidence of what and who Christ says that you are, will you just raise a hand or both hands up to heaven as a signifying surrender to him? And just ask him, Father, help me to grow in confidence in you. Jesus, I want to grow in confidence in you. I want to know who you are. I want to know who I am in you. God, help me to grow. Help me to take steps. God, help me to learn, Father, because I'm tired. God, I'm so weary, Father, of the enemy lying to me. God, and I'm starting to believe what he's saying. But Father, today's the day, Jesus, where I say no more. I will listen to what your word says. Father, we bless you and we honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.